Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Good morning. So, how is everybody? Good. 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 We're getting some wind or snow coming. Yes. Yeah. They're lying. They're lying. Jesse's on it. Don't worry. Jesse's on it. They'll, they'll get it all up on the pass there in between here and Laramie, so no worry for us, right? Okay, good. All right. Daniel chapter, we're going to do two chapters today. Uh, big, big, big order, right? Well, we'll see if we can do two chapters. Uh, chapter 11 is really chapter 8 expanded. Remember chapter 8, the goat and the ram? or the ram and the goat, well, chapter 11 expands on that, and it it explains it in great detail. In fact, in such great detail that this is where Daniel really takes a hit from the higher critics. He does everything but name names. Uh, The the historians, and I'm not a historian, but the historians can read Daniel chapter 11 and tell you exactly who he's talking about in each of these persons. And uh, it's, it's really a, an amazing chapter. But uh, in chapter 10, well, it speaks for itself, and we'll get to that. Uh, Psalm 2. Why do the people, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Uh, and it goes on to talk about uh, that, you know, all of man's plans are for nothing, God is in control. Why do the people, why do the nations and the people plot a vain thing? They can't accomplish what they're going to do. And uh, the theme of these two chapters today is going to be the end of time. And uh, we took a, uh, what would we call it, a, uh, a little trip into Revelation. In fact, it took two weeks to get into it. And uh, Dan, uh, Revelation chapter 6 mainly, but 6, 7, and 8, we covered a lot of that. And we understood the, the, uh, the uh, scroll and the seals on it. And it's kind of frightening when you look at it, but when you think about it a little more deeply, you realize that it's kind of encouraging because who's opening the scroll? Jesus is. And what's he doing when he opens each of those seals? He's permitting an event to take place. None of this stuff is going to take place until Jesus permits it. And we're going to see that here, that this this was going to be repeated, especially in chapter 11, where these nations are plotting these things, but hey, don't worry about it, because it can't happen yet, because it's not time. And uh, as he opens up the scrolls, it looks pretty frightening, I have to admit. And uh, some believe we won't be there, some believe we will be there. I'm in the camp of we'll find out <laughs> when that happens. Uh, I hope we're not there, but we might be. So uh, when he opens the first scroll, it's, it's the Antichrist, the, uh, the rider on the white horse. And he comes in with peace, and he's going to flatter many, he's going to bribe many, and uh, I, I've been thinking about this, and I kind of think, because did you notice that every, every on these first ones, whenever the scroll opens, he says, and I saw a white horse. 
And the rider who sat upon it was this. I saw a red horse and the rider who sat upon it. The, the horse is mentioned first. I think it might be the same rider, just riding a different horse. Death and, and Antichrist, he, fit, he fits all of these. He causes all of these. So anyway, the, the rider on the, on the second horse is death, and he causes death through war, and people will begin to kill other people. Well, begin. That's been going on for centuries. In fact, I made the comment last week, as I wonder if, this, if these scrolls are starting to open up already. But this has been going on for ages. And then the third scroll was famine. And the fourth scroll is that he's given, a, uh, given authority to kill 25% of the world's population. And that's astounding. But when we think about it, today what are they trying to do? Depopulate the earth, right? And uh, what, it, what is the, I remember the Georgia Guidestones, what was the, this, the ultimate, or the requested, or the sought after population, 500 million or something? 500,000, like I think. 500,000, was it? No, I think it was 500 million. I think because they want, yeah. we're, we're at like five, 8 billion now. 8.2 billion, yeah. We're at 8.2 billion, and they want to get it down to 500 million. It, either way, it's it's a big it's a big it's more than twenty five percent. So when we when we hear all this stuff, it sounds kind of scary, and we think, man, these people are trying to do this, but the people are they're plotting in vain. They can't do it. The worst thing that's going to happen is when that fourth scroll opens and the world is depopulated by twenty five percent. So Bill Gates can plot plan. Spend all his money trying to depopulate the earth. That ain't going to happen. God is going to, going to get in the way and stop all of this stuff. But let's keep going into Daniel here. You were talking about the plans of men. And I just read, I kept, somebody built a temple. I'm trying to remember who did it. And it took years and years and years to build this temple. Six years after it was completed, it was destroyed. Yeah. Six years, and it took twenty whatever years to build, and it, and six years later it was destroyed. Mm. And when, and that was came to mind when you said man plan. Yeah. Because you know God let the temple just be like that. I could use an example from a personal example too. That my a really good friend of mine spent twenty five years building an airplane. 25 years? And how long did he have it before he crashed it? Three years. Three years later, he crashed it. Totally? Yeah. yeah. Was he okay? He was okay. He was fine. But, uh, but you, you know, and, and he wasn't building something uh, evil. It was, it was a hobby for him. Yeah. He's an engineer and a pilot, and he loved it. It was 25 years of love putting into that airplane, but... In the end, I'm sorry? Then we're in time to crash. Yeah, yeah. And like you were saying about the temple. So, uh, would someone read 10, 1 through 3, please? Daniel chapter 10, 1 through 3. Go ahead, Paul. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. 
and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing, and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, and neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Okay, thank you. So, uh, in the third year of Cyrus, remember the first year of Cyrus was when Cyrus decreed that the Israelites could go back and rebuild the temple. So we're, we're about three years into that now. So they, the majority of those who were going back have went back. In fact, by this time they're already suffer, facing all kinds of persecution and uh, people are trying to stop them from building. And uh, so this is what's going on at this time. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, D- Daniel says the message was true, but the appointed time was long. And that's going to be kind of a theme throughout this. This vision is not for the immediate time. It's for the appointed time is long. And we believe it stretched all the way through the period of Antiochus Epiphanes, who we met in chapter 8. Now, he's, a, he's a, quite an individual. He's never mentioned in the Bible. Uh, the books of Maccabees mention him by name, and they relate him to this. Uh, Josephus, Jerome, many of the historians uh, tell of this time period and of Antiochus, Epiphanes. Uh, so Daniel says he was mourning three full weeks. Uh, that's a long time. He was mourning three full, and for this whole three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth. Uh, he wasn't fasting. He just wasn't eating much. And uh, you probably went through periods like this, especially when you were sick. You, you, didn't, you didn't feel like eating, but sometimes you ate just because you knew, if I don't eat, I'm going to get worse. So He's, he's eating not, not for pleasure now. Whatever he's eating here is just to sustain him through this period of time. A man of certain clothed in linen. A certain man clothed in linen. Would somebody read 4 through 7? This is where it gets really interesting. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uh, Faz around his waist. His body was like pearl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burning bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. What was that? Seven. That's One more. Seven. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. Okay, thank you, Doug. Okay, so this certain man clothed in linen, uh, commentators are divided on who this is. Uh, when, you, when you read the description, what first comes to your mind? Jesus, Jesus right? That's the first thing that comes to my mind, too. And in fact, if you look up uh, the description of uh, Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, it's quite similar. That's the difficulty in this, because later on, uh, an angel, presumably this same 
being is going to tell Daniel, from the moment you started praying, it took me 21 days because I was fighting with the prince of Persia to get through, which I don't think Jesus would have to take 21 days to to beat up a prince of Persia. You know, my dad can whip your dad. So, so that, that makes me think this is not Jesus, but another angel, but nevertheless a magnificent being. And uh, later we're going to, just in the next section, we're going to see Daniel's reaction to this. Go ahead, Doug. He says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Does that mean that with him, saw other visions? We'll, we'll get, we'll, it'll, get, it'll become a little more clear as we go, but uh, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, others think it was a certain man was an unnamed angel of high rank. Uh, yeah, Daniel alone saw the vision, but we're going to find out there were others with him. And uh, let, let's just go ahead and we'll read it for ourselves. And that would be uh, eight and nine, please, anyone. Go ahead, Dennis. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my com- commonness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Okay, thank you. So I was left alone when I saw the great vision. Later we're going to find out that the others didn't see anything, but something terrified them and they left. So they they knew something was amiss and it scared them. And they said, we're out of here. And Daniel was left alone. Uh, He said, no strength remained in me. When I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. He's out. But he can hear. So, but, he, but physically, he's, he's in a, I don't know, he's paralyzed. He's just laying there face down, probably in the dirt, and a not very dignified position to be in. But this is when you encounter... <coughs> well, let, let's move on. Uh, something of this magnitude. Uh, suddenly a hand touched me. Okay, let, let's go ahead and read uh, Levin and Joshua. 10 through 13. Uh, and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Ah, and he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly loved. Understand the words that I am about to speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken these words, I stood trembling. Uh, then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have been heard. I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Okay, thank you. Okay, here is the problem with, and a possible solution, the problem that Jesus would not have needed the help of Michael to stand against the prince of Persia. The possible solution, and I'm not saying this is the solution, is suddenly a hand touched me. May have been a different angel, a different being. He may have seen the the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ passed out, and then another being, an angel, touched him. And when he came to, 
the first vision was gone, and now he's face to face with another being. Just a possible, we don't know, but it's, it's just a slim possibility there. And he said, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. Is that a, quite a statement to, from, from heaven to say this about, about someone? Uh, I told you before that uh, when I was a brand new Christian, a friend of mine had a ministry, and it's called Daniel's Band, and we worked with inner-city kids in, uh, in Ogden, Utah. Intercity in Ogden, right? But uh, there was an inner city, and, and there was a bad part of town, and we worked with the kids there. And the uh, slogan of Daniel's Band was, Dare to be a Daniel. That is something to aspire to. But look where Daniel came from and what he went through. I don't think... You can dare all you want to be a Daniel, but you'd have to be put through his boot camp to be where he is. And uh, it, it, he, didn't, he didn't have an easy life. He didn't lead a charmed life. He does now. He's in, he's in glory now. But uh, during his lifetime, it was no charm. Uh, stand upright. So now he is trying to stand upright. I stood trembling. And he says, from the first day your words have, were heard, I have come because of your words. And from the first day, Daniel says, for, for three weeks, how many days is that? 21 days, right? He says, from the, first day, from the first day you began to pray, your words were heard. But it took him 21 days to fight with the prince of Persia. Now, who is the prince of Persia? Well, it's not a human, because no human can withstand an angel. So there's got to be a heavenly realm here. There's got to be a, uh, a, a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy among the good angels. There's a hierarchy among the evil angels. Uh, anybody remember the story of Elisha and his servant? When they were... Uh, yeah, they, the, the city was surrounded by the, the uh, armies that were come, come to capture them. And the servant was rightfully frightened and Elijah said prayed open my servant's eyes and what did he see he saw into the spiritual realm you know if we could see into the spiritual realm we couldn't keep our eyes on the road we'd be... no no we couldn't we'd be like Daniel on our face uh, so th- there's something going on and uh it, it's encouraging in, in light of everything that's going on, all these plans. Uh, when, you, when you listen to the news, you hear just such crazy stuff. Uh, transhumanism, uh, hacking humans and getting them to, to comply. They can try. Why do, the, why do the people, why do the nations plot in vain? Because they don't know any better. They're evil. Uh, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Wouldn't that have been something to see? Uh, angels battling angels. I mean, angels battling demons. I mean, they're both angels, good and bad angels. Both are messengers, but we refer to them as angels and demons. Uh, Michael, one who is like God. So he is the highest angel. He's, he's the, uh, the archangel. 
14 through 18, please. Go ahead, Frank. You got it? Okay, thank you. So, he says, I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Uh, and again, when we get into chapter 11, chapter 10 is just an introduction to the vision. Chapter 11 is the vision. And uh, we'll, we'll try our best. We'll get some of it in there. But, but anyway, he says, it refers to many days yet to come. And again, the days affecting Israel, and it's also projecting into the future. This is why Daniel and the book of Revelation are so close together. Uh, they, they both kind of interpret each other. Uh, when he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. Remember, he's standing now, but he can't look at the guy. He's, he's, he's just looking down, and he's speechless, and he's listening. Uh, then again, the one having likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. Uh, 19 through 21. Pastor? And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and have courage. And he spoke to me. As he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against those against these, except Michael, your prince. Okay, thank you. So again, manly man greatly beloved. Fear not, peace be to you, be strong. Yes, be strong. Uh, he says, now I'll return after I give you the message. He's going to give him a message to come. But he says, after that message, I'm going to return to continue to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Some translations make it sound like I'm going to leave and then the prince, but I think he's going to stay. He's just going to keep fighting for Israel. And Michael is also, remember he said Michael is the chief priest who contends with me against these. He's your, your, uh, your protector. Uh, so what, are, what does Persia and Greece have in common? Well, they both tried to destroy the Jewish people. Uh, uh, Xerxes, the last uh, king of Persia, under Xerxes, this is the story of uh, Esther. And remember Haman, one of, one of uh, Xerxes' chief officials develops a plot to annihilate the Jews. And it's almost carried out. But uh, 
to the help of Esther and Mordecai, uh, the plot is foiled. Uh, but I will tell you what is noted in the Scripture of Truth. I don't. That, that must be God's book, the Scripture of Truth, because we, well, we've got the Scripture of Truth here, but this is beyond what we have. Uh, well, now it's not because He's going to tell Daniel what's in it, uh, and He says, "No one holds me against these except Michael, your prince." So we're going to jump. See, that wasn't so bad. One chapter and what? Fifteen minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a little bit longer. I, I, yeah, like about twice as long. Yeah, that's why I say we'll, we'll do what we can. So, okay, uh, eleven one through four. Volunteer, go ahead, Pastor. I, I think it's of interest that, and I've I've seen this for some time now, is that there seems to be no time like we recognize it. Because this was there, there was actually a considerable amount of time between Daniel writing this or seeing this vision and when Greece would come. Oh yeah, three hundred years probably. Yeah, and yet there he's getting ready to go, and he says, "When I go, the Prince of Greece is going to come as well." So this was already it was already foreordained, mm-hmm. uh, but yet quite a bit of time still elapses between that when that person is allowed to, the, the, the nation of Greece is allowed to actually yeah. take over under Alexander. And I would never thought about this until you just mentioned it, but normally the angels don't know the future. Yeah. They're, they don't have the, the knowledge of the distant future like, like God does. But apparently this angel or this being uh, knows the future. So that's, that's an interesting point, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, very good. Good point. So do you think he knew to the end times? The angel? Yeah. Well, he, he, he probably could add and subtract, you know, and he could project. He didn't know. Right, because it says only the Father knows. Yeah. But he probably had his speculations just like we do today. So, uh, someone read one through four, please. The, uh, Brenda. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm the strength of him. And now I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion and do as he will. And as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not to his posterity, nor according to the authority with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides him. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, he says, now I'll show you the truth. Three more kings, and then a fourth will be far richer. Well, that's the final king. That's Xerxes. That's, that's the king of uh, the book of... Uh, I just said her name. Esther. Esther. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the book of Esther. So, uh, Xerxes, yes. And uh, he, will, he will stir up the Greeks. Now, 
Alexander gets all the credit, but his father really built Greek from a backwoods country. Backwoods, uh, they were known for providing agricultural goods. They, they, were, they were the least of the least people. And uh, so his father, Philip, was the one who built that nation up. And uh, Greek culture became popular because of what Philip had done. And uh, any of you remember the Beatles? <laughs> remember Beatlemania? Not those little bugs, no. Well, you were, you were probably one of his groupies over there in England, right? Yeah? Okay. Well, Beatlemania came to the United States, and man, it took over. It was Beatlemania. I mean, the, the, the fashions changed, the hair, cut, the hair changed. I even had a beetle haircut when I was a teenager, and I had beetle boots, and I had bell-bottom pants, and I mean, it was, it was the thing. It was in. And that's what the Greeks were. They were the in culture. But they were a decadent people. They were really... I mean, I, I mentioned this before. LGB whatever, Q, wouldn't have any problem over in Greece. They would, they would just move into Greece and say, this is, yeah, we like it here. Because that's the way they were. Philip's father... Uh, I think it was his seventh wife, shortly after he married his seventh wife, one of his former male lovers killed him. So it, it wasn't considered wrong. It was just considered, this is what you do. I mean, you know, sex is sex. It doesn't matter if you have it with one or the other. They just swung every way you wanted to swing. And so this was the people. This was the kind of people that was... Uh, that were living at that period of time. And then a mighty king shall arise, and that is Alexander. And uh, after his father was murdered, he was given the throne. But his father had married, uh, I think, a princess from the south. And it was, it was an arranged marriage to, to uh, unite the two kingdoms, to form a peace treaty. Well, he was killed, and after, or after he died... Then uh, his former wife, Alexander's mother, killed the other queen and, uh, and her children. And then Alexander took the throne. And then the rest of the story, Alexander became Alexander the Great. And where his father left off, he picked up. And uh, he was, he was a, not taking anything away from him. But it had his father not paved the way, we'd have never heard of Alexander the Great. Uh, as soon as he's arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven. Four horns, remember them? The four horns. Uh, the leopard had how many heads? Four heads. Okay, this, we're talking about the same Greek empire here. And uh, his shall be divided to the four winds of heaven, Alexander's generals, the kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. Uh, after them, there'll be others. It, uh, the, the, the Greek empire lasted longer than the Babylonian or the Persian. I think, I can't remember how many years. Was it 300 and some years it lasted? Where the Babylonian empire only lasted 60, 70 years? What was it, Cindy? I think that. Yeah. And then the Persians lasted a little over 100, and then the Greeks lasted over 300 years. And uh, 
So there was more kings after the generals. Uh, five through six, please. And I've already decided we're not going to finish, so <laughs> let's just take it as we come. Uh, five through six, please. Then the king of the south shall be strong, but one of his princes <clears throat> shall be stronger than he, and shall rule, and his authority shall be a great authority. After some years they will make an alliance, and the daughter of the king of the south shall come to the king in the north to make an agreement. But she shall not retain the strength of her arm, and he and his arm shall not endure. But she shall be given up in her attendance, he who fathered her, and he who supported her in those times. Okay, thank you. By the way, Greece was so bad, they were actually known as a nation of boy lovers. Oh, really? And even when Rome came some 300 and something years later, there were only two cities that were known to make Rome blush because of their debauchery, and both of them were in the inner <coughs> of what was Greece. Oh, my. That was Ephesus and Corinth. Ephesus and Corinth. Yep. Wow. And the Romans adopted much of the Greek culture, even though they yep. said that it made the Romans blush, as, as bad as the Romans were. Good. So, the king of the south shall be strong. This is Egypt, Ptolemy Soter. So, I don't know, Soter, Soter. Uh, but one of his princes shall be stronger than he and shall rule, and his authority shall be a great authority. Uh, that would be Seleucus Nicator. Now, he, this alliance he's talking about, this is Bernice, the king of the south, makes an alliance. This is, again, this is not the same one as Philip. This is another one. Sends his wife up, or his daughter, to marry uh, the king of the north and uh, form a peace agreement, well that lasts only so long and, uh, and then she's killed and then back to war again. Now, not only her, but he who fathered, fathered her and he who supported her in those times they were all killed. Yeah, yeah. Man, it, it was a coup. Uh, yeah, it was a coup. Uh, what was that like to be a prince at that time? You, you know, yeah. Life wasn't worth you know, <laughs> that, That's why I often wonder if they didn't give the king credit for his first year because they didn't think he might not make it through it. Because <laughs> figured if you made it through the first year, you might stand a chance. But yeah. Uh, then five through six. Or did we already read that? Oh, okay, we're still in 5 through 6 then. He should make an alliance in the daughter of the south. This is Bernice, the daughter of Ptolemy. Philadelphus, king of Egypt, was married to Antiochus, not Antiochus Epiphanes. This is Antiochus Theos, or I think they called him the Great. And, and Theos, what does that mean? The God, Antiochus the God. So when Antiochus Epiphanes claims that title, he's not the first one. Uh, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, I guess is what we say. Uh, Theos, the king of Syria. And then, yeah, Bernice is killed. Uh, the king of the south shall be strong. Egypt, that's Ptolemy Soter. I went wrong direction again. And then we get to seven through nine. shall 
come against the army and enter the fortress of the king of the north. And he shall deal with him with them, and he shall prevail. He shall also carry off the Egypt their gods with their uh, metal images and their precious vessels of silver and gold. And for some years he shall re uh, refrain from attacking the king of the north. So then the letter shall come into the realm of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> So yeah, uh, and from this branch, her roots, so this is after, after Bernice is killed, and her, everyone who helped put her in power is killed. Another one, it says, uh, from her roots shall arise in his place, he shall come against the army and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and shall deal with them, and shall prevail. This is uh, Bernice's brother. Uh, becomes the king of the south, and the wars begin again. Uh, the peace is short-lived, succeeding in the place of Philadelphia, avenge your death by overrunning Syria, even to the Euphrates. This is from uh, Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary. Okay, and then 10 through 13. Okay, Melody. That his son shall be stirred up, and shall assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come, and overflow, and pass through. Then shall he return, and be stirred up even to his fortress. And the king of the south shall be moved with Chola, and shall come forth and fight with him, even with the king of the north. And he shall set forth a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into his hand. And when he hath taken away the multitude, his heart shall be lifted up, and he shall cast down many ten thousands, <clears throat> but he shall not be strengthened by it. For the king of the north shall return, and shall set forth a multitude greater than the former, and shall certainly come after certain years with a great army and with much riches. <coughs> okay, thank you. So yeah, uh, his son shall wage war, so it, it just keeps carrying on. There's a back and forth, back and forth uh, battle between the kings of the north and the kings of the south. And we talk about this, we're talking about the northern part of Greece and Egypt. And how do you get from the northern part of Greece into Egypt? Right through Israel. Right through Israel, yep. Jerusalem's in the Jerusalem's in the crosshairs. There was a remember that documentary we used to put up with the guy that did the archaeological study yeah. talked about in the ghetto. Oh, that Ray Vanderland. Vanderland, yes, yeah. I like yeah. his stuff. And they, that route, the reason why Armageddon or Megiddo was so popular is because that was the route that goes in and out. A lot of battles were fought there, mm -hmm. and it's probably true that they went through there a lot. Yeah. And, and to this point, they're leaving, Jew, they're leaving uh, the Jews alone pretty much. They're taking money from them. They're, 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 they're a uh, vassal, like, would you call them a vassal, to uh, Egypt through this whole time, uh, through the southern empire. And, uh, but the armies pass through there, and uh, they, so they know what's going on. They're in, the, they're in the crossroads, I guess you'd say, 
in, in the crosshairs maybe. But yeah, so this battle back and forth, back and forth in Jerusalem right in the middle. Now we have a blank screen. And then we have 14 through 19. And uh, Cindy. In those times many shall rise against the king of the south, and the violent among your own people will let themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they shall fail. When the king of the north shall come and throw up siege works and take a well-fortified city, and the forces of the south shall not stand, or even in the best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand. But he who comes against him shall do as he wills, and none shall stand before him, and he shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his hand. He shall set his face to come with strength of his whole kingdom, and he shall bring terms of an agreement and perform them. He shall give him the daughter of women to destroy the kingdom, but it shall not stand or be in his place of vantage. Afterwards he shall turn his face to the coastland, and shall capture many of them, but the commander shall put an end to his insolence. Indeed, he shall turn his insolence back upon him. Then he shall turn his face back towards the fortresses of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and shall not be found. Okay, thank you. Uh, this one we're speaking of now is uh, Antiochus the Third, not... Uh, not Epiphanes again. This is his father. We're, we're getting close to the Antiochus Epiphanes now. And, uh, but notice here, in those times many shall rise against the king of the south, and the violent among your own people, Daniel's own people, shall lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they shall fail. What had the prophet Jeremiah cautioned Israel about? That, and don't get involved in this battle. This is God's punishment. So stay out of it. I'll take care of it. You guys don't get involved in it. Well, here we have rebels. And and what do they do? They, they They go to Egypt. They go against Egypt. And now what happens? Here they've been living this life of, we'll pay our fines, we'll... uh We'll do what we can to get by. But now they've taken a military action. And now they become targets. God told them to stay out of it. But they didn't. They, they punched the bully right in the face. And he's bigger than them. So, uh, yeah, he shall turn his face back toward the fortress of his own land, but shall stumble and fall and not be found. There's several different... Uh, accounts of this Antiochus III, uh, they believe that he died on horseback, that he was uh, thrown from a horse or a horse fell or some, some sort of a horse accident. Uh, also, he returned from Egypt and uh, he was short of cash. He's been spending all his money fighting, so he stopped along the way to loot. I can't remember the temp- Temple of Jupiter, I believe, but his army was already in bad shape and the people of the city routed him and sent him out of there and it, maybe during that battle is when his horse fell stumbled and fell and uh, stumbled and fell and was to say he shall not be found anyway he was this this was his end this was his death 
And I've got verse 21 in here as well, or verse 20 in here as well. Uh, and it shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for glory of the kingdom. But within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. This would be the son of Antiochus. I don't remember his name, but he was the brother, the older brother of Antiochus Epiphanes. And he didn't last very long. Uh, Again, uh, it's believed that Antiochus Epiphanes murdered him. It's, there's, there's, I guess there's no hard proof. He was never really convicted, but then he was such a scoundrel uh, that uh, today we'd call him, he was Teflon, nothing stuck to him. So he was able to, to get away from it. And when we come to the next verse, well, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll use this in the introduction to next week. Uh, we're going to meet again 20 through 28. Anybody? Mr. Doug. Then shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for the glory of the kingdom. So within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. In this place shall arise a contemptible person who, to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken, even the prince of the covenant. And from the time that an alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, and he shall become strong with a small people. Without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province, and he shall do what neither his fathers nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among them plunder, spoil, and goods. He shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall wage war with an exceedingly great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for plots shall be devised against him. What was that? 228. <clears throat> Even those who eat his food shall break him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. And as for the two kings, their hearts shall be bent on doing evil. They shall speak lies at the same table, but to no avail, for the end is yet to be at the time appointed. And he shall return to his land with great wealth, but his heart shall be set against the holy covenant. And he shall work his will and return to his own land. Okay. And this is, this is Antiochus Epiphanes, or Antiochus IV. And this is the one... Uh, how was he represented in uh, chapter 8, the goat? Remember the, or yeah, the goat had four horns. And a little one came out. And a little one came up. This is, this is him, yeah. And that's the little one that did all the trouble. Yep, the little guy that caused the trouble and he became great. Uh, and uh, in his place shall rise a contemptible person on whom royal majesty has not been given. He was not... He, it is believed that he killed his brother, 
Uh, that's a pretty common uh, belief among, among uh, historians. Uh, he shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Uh, this, this is, remember the rider on the white horse. This is, and this is not, he is not the rider on the white horse. He is the, what would you call the prototype or the, uh, the uh, foreshadowing of that. Uh, so when the Antichrist comes, we've got a pretty good description of what he's going to look like, what he's going to be like. Uh, the rider on the white horse uh, came in. He had a bow. He had mighty, military might behind him is the way I believe that one. He came in speaking softly. Uh, in uh, verse uh, 24, it says he shall enter peaceably. So he'll cut, well, peaceably except for the murder of his brother. Uh, but, but no one knows that he murdered his brother, I think, is what's happening at this period of time. It's, it's one of those things that uh, there might be some whispering about it, but there's no proof he's never convicted. But he does murder his brother. History says uh, at the time they probably don't recognize that. They see him coming in as a man of peace. Go ahead, Doug. As so many people in the government, they had, he had an accident. A, a what? An and had an accident. Yeah, yeah, that's what... <laughs> I mean, it just, it boggles my mind when we yeah. read these things. How many people are murdered? How yeah. many people are killed? It's just... Oh, yeah. It, even, even before somebody becomes king, there's a plot to kill him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And coming in peaceably, like today's politicians, they do everything... For the children. Yeah, we're doing it for the children. And, uh, and so they, they come in peaceably, and it's what's below the surface. And uh, we're going we're gonna to stop with this one now, and we'll come back and we'll pick it up here. And uh, hopefully we'll move through 12, because uh, John is just chomping at the bit to get his lesson up here next. Right, John? We were practicing today, so... So we'll try to finish up next week, and then we'll turn it over to Pastor John. Uh, Let's close with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word, the Bible. Uh, Thank you for for giving us a roadmap. And uh, some of it's not clear, but help us to just uh, follow it by faith uh, each day and each hour even. Uh, you reveal more to us. And as we see these things unfolding to us, help us to be mindful of the scriptures and what you've taught us, to not be afraid because we know that you have control over everything. And uh, Lord, uh, dismiss us now in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.